Everybody, yeah. welcome to Yeah, but yeah. still, yeah. things are going a little different this yeah. week. Joining yeah. me uh, yeah. as a replacement yeah. guest host, yeah. Yeah. friend of the pod, yeah. friend of mine, yeah. Cam Tang. Yeah. Hello, yeah. Cam is joining us yeah. this week. You are yeah. now listening to yeah. Jack June. Brandon is uh, is gone. He left. Uh, he went to Canada to film a movie. He's filming Barney Three. He's actually playing. Uh, I thought he was playing Barney, but he's actually playing a baby in Barney Three. So baby bop. Is the baby's name in Barney? Oh yeah, he's playing Baby Bop. Damn, what a g- is that Barney's um, daughter? I I don't know. Or is it just like his dinosaur? Fr- it's the girl one, right? Yes, it's the baby girl. Well, I'm not gonna assume their gender. Well, I'm not gonna but, either. You know, um, yeah, Baby Bop is kind of a glow up to to play for Brandon. I feel See, like a lot of people are saying bad things about him being in a Barney movie, but that's what I told him too. Well, because he kind of called me and he's like, everybody's making fun of me on the internet because I'm going to be in a the Barney movie. And I was like, dude, you're playing Baby Bop. Like, how hard could a, it be, dude? That's Go, a main character. And you quite fly frankly, first class, collect check and leave. Yeah. Like you signed up for Rockstar Lifestyle. You get it. And now you're going to complain. Yeah. Like, shut the fuck up, Brandon. And that's like it's a lead role. Baby Bop. Best supporting actor, right? Maybe Bob could be best supporting actor. That's a yeah. You could get a nod. You could definitely. Would it be considered a lead? It's definitely not like a side character. You're supporting. I mean, obviously, if it were Barney, would be the lead. But Baby Bob's pretty in there. Like you're, you're definitely main cast. You're getting the extra wide trailer. You're getting like insane uh, craft service. You probably have like your own you know, designated PA for just to do whatever you like, like dry cleaning. He's running that PA through the ringer right now. You have like people bringing your 12 pack of jewel pods to the, to the trailer. You have fucking Essentia. They're not giving you Dasani. The whole rest of the crew is getting Dasani, but you, Brandon, as baby Bob. 100% getting Essentia. Maybe he's getting even Voss water. That would be... That stuff that's like $9 a bottle. That would be insane. I mean, Brandon's set, but if, like, you're going to sit here and just, like, ask for something you want so bad, which is to be, like, an actor and famous person, you're just going to fucking scoff at Baby Bop? Like, that's where I kind of draw the line, I think, for... Well, I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm just... I'm happy for Brandon, um, and I'm happy to be here with you filling in. Like I well, said... Well, I'm psyched to be here, but I'm a little pissed off. Why? That he's got this attitude. Oh, about not being grateful for being in the Barney movie? Yeah. <laughs> You're still mad? I'm, I'm a little upset. <laughs> You're actually mad now? Um, no, but for real, I'm, I'm happy you're here. Cam's going to be joining us for today, hopefully a couple more episodes. Um, and we have a special guest joining us today that I'm very excited about. Um, Simon Rex going to be coming on in a little bit. We're currently in the backyard. I mean, you two have history, you and Simon. Yes, we do. Um, I'm excited to get into it because I'm a little. It's 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 a little fuzzy, but like, there's so, there's a lot of connections that we were trying to make here. Even explaining to you how how I, I know him, how I, I fell don't think into people his... know this about you. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, your friends do, but I don't think like the general public knows you were his DJ for a while, right? And his Kesha. DJ is a very close friend of mine. I've known for fuck forever now but yeah like i got shooed into this world on a on a blind date uh being his dj once and then it's just 
forever. A literal since. blind date? Yeah, like I, I didn't ever like. We should probably get into it when he gets here, but um, I didn't meet. I didn't know him at all before I met him. I just was just sort of like showed up to an airport, and he was like, "Hey, what's up? Are you gonna DJ for me?" And I said, "Yeah." Oh, you? Yeah. Wow. So it was like very blind date. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, I'm excited to get into it. But he's the best. He is um, actor rapper he's the he's the funniest person ever and he's fucking hot too he like, is hot he's he's ex- i was just you hot. know i was doing my research today he's oh, he, i think he's here yeah all right so with that i'll go to our real theme song here, welcome to yeah but still back baby uh joining us this week we have simon rex hey jack hey cams jack cams porn site yeah that worked better the first time (laughs) we took it we 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 had to do a retake but uh you know this never you know sorry to cut you off but you know when someone you do something funny like do that again for the gram it's like it happened bro yeah so that joke didn't work and i apologize anyway i'm happy to be here sorry to cut you off your intro i'll just uh say hi but also um introduce my good friend simon I've known forever. Yeah. We've got a lot to talk about. It's going to be pretty ADD, I think, because... Oh, baby. Um, yeah. Yeah, we go way back like car seats. We have stories. I mean, I heard you guys... Um, I mean, Cam, you were his DJ. Yeah. So what I was saying... And so, I mean, for, for anybody that is not familiar with you, I mean, I, I would normally explain, but you're kind of a guy that's hard to explain. Yeah. I mean, it's like, just like, you know... Uh, yeah, yeah. Gl- glancing through the wiki, it's like all over the Jack place. Off of I mean, all trades. Yeah, but when, and you've been everywhere. I d- yeah, I've done a lot of shit. I, I, I mean, uh, I, I first knew you as a rapper. That's like that's, how I first heard of you. How old are you? I'm 32. There so in go. high school, that's I think about the age that people know me. There's different ages that people know me from. Like some people are like, "Oh, you're the MTV guy." If they're over 40, mm-hmm. some people are like, "You're the scary movie guy." If you're black, and some people are like, "Oh, you're a," and that's not racist. That's an urban myth fact. <laughs> And not only that, if you're in your certain age group, you listen to me in college with Mickey Avalon because you partied a lot. I think everybody so, knows my dick, you know. So I, I actually, I think so. It went platinum, actually. Don't really? Know this? No. It so, went platinum. I have a platinum plaque, so technically, because I produced that beat and rapped on it. Yeah. Technically, I'm a platinum rapper and a platinum producer. Sold a million downloads. Should that's incredible. Crazy. Yeah. We made the beat in. For those of you who don't know, My Dick, it's me and Mickey Avalon's song that was sort of our underground cult hit, and and uh, and it sold a million over like a 12-year period. It got a million downloads, so uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Like, that's not even just, count, counting like LimeWire and shit, too. Yeah, you know? exactly. Oh, it's <laughs> way more if you count all that. But yeah, LimeWire, oh shit, remember should that? We, should we tell everybody that you sampled the drums and you still haven't been caught for it? Yeah, and I told Q-Tip. <laughs> so I Wait, sampled what? Q-Tip, made a beat on Nas's Illmatic called One Love, One Love, and on the intro to the song, there's a drum, boom. 
boom, cat, which your you know, Q-Tip made the beat. And I met Q-Tip with Mark Ronson, name drop, in New York. And I was hanging out with them, and I go, I got to tell you something, bro. I jacked your drums for a song called My Dick. He's like, that's you on that song? I was like, yeah, I made that beat. Those are your drums. And I just filtered them down a little bit, and I just sampled them into my MPC. And I made the beat in 30 minutes, and it's our biggest song. And then, of course, then Mickey gets signed to Interscope. They put us in the studio with Katy Perry and Perry Farrell and Kid Rock and all these big people. And then nothing worked except the song that I made in 30 minutes fucking around with my boys was the platinum one. And everything else was like, Damn. Wah, wah. Both and there's the lesson in life is yeah. just like double parried. But double parried. that's a good um, segue to like because my introduction to you was I was an MTV kid. I'm not over 40, mm. but I knew of you being like as a TRL DJ or and a VJ, sorry. And um, you interviewing like all these celebrities. And then like in college, I had the Mickey record and I would play that. It was like fucking hit college. Right. And Where'd then, you go to college? Arizona? ASU, yeah. Oh, that's definitely bro, that was, that a was big, our fan base. You were doing yeah. good in ASU, I'm sure. That's where you went? ASU? Yeah, what year was that, like 05, 06? I graduated in 08. Okay, so around, that's when it came, because it was right when yeah. MySpace came out. So we had the vehicle of MySpace to push us that like no one ever had before. So it was kind of the gift and the curse because we didn't really make any money, but everybody heard our shit because of the internet and MySpace sharing music. Remember, you could have your profile with like your few songs on it. Of course. When MySpace first came out, which was never, been done before so if you're just an independent artist you could put five demos up and somehow it just circulated in like the college suburban scene bro i had that cd burnt like four different ways you know what i mean just like in each thing but then um i started djing just around la after college and moved back um and then ron had hit me up and was like hey do you want to dj for a, a group of people Wait, who's uh, Ron? Ron, Ron, uh, Jeremy? Ron Pol- Oh, Ron, yeah, Ron of course. And, and so Dexstar, he used to work at Dexstar and then like, you know, doing work with them there, just like, okay, how about Cam? Cam seems to be like your speed. And right. so I met... How old were you during this, Cam? 23. 20, yeah. So. Damn, you got to just come on the road as a 23-year-old and come everywhere on the road. See, normally I would interrupt people when they're just doing the how everybody knows each other thing, but this, I do think this is like really fascinating because like well, you were telling p- me before just the web of people who kind of came up in this era mm-hmm. and where it all came from just kind of being around and you even just like that it just randomly happened it's a very strange yeah so this thing this, this plays into a part to a story i just want to tell because it <clears throat> it was literally no, the first time i i'd like met these guys i met them at an airport back then it was burned cds and cdjs and you're like Hey, can you just like put these onto a, a CD? That's right. I met you guys for the first time. I'm sort of in nervous shell shock. Like, oh, I know this guy from TV. I'm a scary movie fan. Like, I actually love them. I never knew this till now. I love I love all of them that you're not in. The first two. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so when I found out it was you, it was like, whoa, you, Beardo, Legacy, and then it was Mickey. We we're yep. meeting there. And my first introduction to you is, I know you're going to remember this. We land in florida somewhere maybe miami and we're the plane is deboarding <laughs> you know where i'm going deplaning is deboarding i want to know the correct term deplaning, deplaning. let's get this right because if you're going to tell a story i need grammatical All right, i don't right. need the pressure dude i'm okay. like Red flight attendants listening are gonna be pissed off but keep going yeah. i apologize so we're deplaning the plane <laughs> 
and uh, there's two aisles, and everybody is just, we've been sitting on the tarmac for a little bit. We're like running behind the sound check, and everybody's trying to get off the fucking plane because it's hot as shit. And there's two aisles deep, deep, deep planing, and I'm in one, and I'm, s- I'm across from you and Legacy. And you're in front of Legacy leaving, and there's just like a pile of people trying to leave, and you stop. And the people in front of you leave the plane. There's a huge gap, and I'm like, whoa, what the fuck's going on? He just stops. And he's got this inquisitive look on his face. <laughs> and the entire plane, the line behind him is like, yo, can you go? Like, what the fuck? He has all his bags. He's holding up this line. And I'm like, what? what's going on here? And I just sit for a second. And you, right in Legacy's face, just rip the longest, loudest <laughs> fart I've ever heard. The people, to walk the it. people in my lane just looked at you like, "Oh man!" And Legacy's like, "Dude, in my face!" And it, the the entire plane heard it. And then it, every single person walked through your blast, leaving God, the plane. That's so that's funny. Fucking Why, disgusting. I'm 46 years old, and that still makes me gut laugh so hard. I still think that's funny. I think I'll never outgrow that to me. That's the funniest thing is to just fart in public. It's the rudest. Anyway, sorry, I'm immature like that. But yeah, that that's that was a pretty good barometer of where we're going together. Yeah. Because I farted with a, a lot on tour with you. <laughs> yeah. And that's when, and then Vine was a big thing and I would do a lot of fart vines. You know, that was, we got into there's Vine. One, and Cam's had a little Vine run there for a minute. There's one that you had that like, you kind of, buried because you're like fuck it went too far but you had <laughs> bare ass cheeks and you're looking at the camera like all fucking sexy and you're like baby i, yeah. I love you and you just <laughs> bare ass and like i was like wow you put that on your vine and then you're like man i don't know if i should be having this on there Dude. but okay well i don't want to go too potty on your podcast sorry it's Jeff. okay it's just that's how I'll we met bleep it's, all of that out just me a yeah, long bleep. I, this was when i was in character of dirt nasty right now i'm not so we i won't fart I want to hear where this all began for you. Okay, uh, what the whole picture? Are we talking about dirt? Na- the yeah, whole no, picture I, or dirt? I'm just curious because. Sorry, sorry to step on. Uh, Jesus, what no, is this? I a mean, Canadian hockey convention? You don't have to apologize for everything. Sorry, just like trying to track how everything happened for you. Very like, fortuitous. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's kind of like and Cam was sort of explaining it, and there's also a bunch of people kind of in the extended network that he was sort of explaining how everybody kind of got their start. Um, I mean, watching from afar, like, I don't, I don't think I realized how connected things were in that era until just now having explained to me. Let's know? go way back to the Please. beginning. Take it from the top. So how from the top, started? from the very, very top, here's how it all went down. I wouldn't in my wildest dreams ever pursued a show business career in that I'm not a fucking, well, I maybe probably am a narcissist, but I'm not a delusional sociopath, but maybe I am also. Um, I was working at a potato sack, can't make this shit up. I was working at a potato sack factory in Oakland, driving a forklift and doing janitorial fucking cleaning bathrooms, going to community college in the Bay Area, making $10 an hour and working as a telemarketer for life insurance for State Farm just the grind right oh my god and just no idea what i'm doing with my life i'm 18 years old i'm fresh out of high school and i go to a rave in san francisco and the most beautiful girl because san francisco is known for not having beautiful women really it's my hometown and i'll admit it (laughs) great city no hot girls and this gorgeous girl comes up to me at a rave and i'm just rolling on ecstasy and she fucking takes my beanie off and runs her fingers through my hair cut to me moving in with her in la and her kid and dropping everything and taking five grand that i had to my name and moving to west coast 
Covina, California with her and oh her my kid God. and being like, later, homies, I'm out. I got a 10. And she was just smoking hot. And she was a quote unquote model. Right. So this is 1993. We're talking right? West Covina's re- deep suburbs. Oh, yeah. for those Dude, what a flex. Like, so I'm, I moved to West Covina and I didn't give a fuck. I'm just like, later, I'm out. This girl's so hot. I was just enamored with her beauty, blind, you know, smitten, just like, I'm still like that way. It's my You're weakness. Young. That's yeah. my kryptonite. I'm just like, oh, hot girl. Like, God. Anyway, so I move in, drop everything, move in with her. Um, no idea what I'm doing with my life. I'm driving her to her auditions because she's a quote unquote model, but she has a scar on her face right here because her mom had a cesarean when she was born. And this is before, uh, not CGI, but Photoshop. So she would never get any work because she had a scar right here, but it was so hot, but it made her not book shit, but she was fucking beautiful. So anyway, I'm moving with her. Then I realized slowly but surely I live with a psychopath. She's out of her mind. She'd get drunk and be like, I wish I never had you to her two-year-old kid. And oh, shit. I mean, I was going to say, gnarly. Like, and like her she kid, has a kid and she's in an Oakland rave or whatever. Like, yeah. Yeah. So that's her you know, kid's sign starting, number one. Yeah. I was blind to it You're all. You're 18. You don't see that stuff. Did You're just like, kid, oh, dude, this woman's dope. The like, kid's calling me dad sitting on my lap. Wait, did the kid give you <laughs> light shows? Light? What does that mean? Oh no, he wasn't. The baby wasn't we weren't neither of us. Why? Well, I wasn't really say we were raver. We just were at a rave. I wasn't like deep in the rave scene. It was just like something to do in the bay back then. And this is so deep in the rave scene. This is obviously 1993. It's pre-EDM. This was pre-EDM. So, so don't remember, imagine would, an EDM so rave. Like there's no merch. There's no like dude. It was food. So, nothing. This is like a nasty, bro, derude sandstorm rave. Underground. Yeah. You'd have to. You'd get an address and you'd pull up to the address and your car full of homies and there'd be one dude on the corner and he'd look in the car and if he thought you were cool he would give you the address of the rave so you couldn't bring your barney friends you had to like bring your cool friends to get into the rave that's how old this shit was Brandon wasn't getting in barney friend you know yeah no barneys uh so anyway uh back to the story so i'm uh, i move in with this chick we're living in west covina then we take what little money i've left to my name and we move to the hollywood towers right in hollywood wow okay uh, that famous building for those listening it's like a fake exactly. yeah i was gonna yeah. say that's like a weird when i moved to la that was one of the first random facts told to me they're like oh andy milanakis lives yeah <laughs> it's a building and there's a big chess game on the roof yeah that's right i remember before they put the chess game up there this is 93 and across the street at the time j-lo was a dancer for in living color and she lived diagonally across the street in that one on argyle in the corner anyway we're talking 93 shit like old school pre everything Shit was the Wild West, and I remember I, uh, I, I, I'm driving her around to her uh, auditions and shit, and <clears throat> um, one day, uh, somehow, I'm sitting in the waiting room for her to do an audition, uh, and her kid's sitting on my lap, and the client comes out, and she comes out all bummed because she has a scar on her face they don't hire, and, and they're like, who's he? She's like, oh, that's my boyfriend. He's not in the business. They're like, he's perfect for the job. So I booked the job for the guy in the photo shoot or whatever, and I get booked by a modeling agency called Prima, which at the time was like the it agency. And my, no lie, can't make this up, my agent's name was Rick Ferrari. Oh, And I was like, oh, I'm in LA, baby. I got (laughs) an agent named Rick Ferrari who coincidentally or just randomly i hadn't talked to in 20 years recently he works at buckwald or just left buckwald in my agency i was and signed me to buckwald i've heard that you're back with rick ferrari i'm back with rick ferrari (laughs) 
25 <laughs> years later. Hell yeah. Weird, random shit. But anyway, he was my first agent, and he was the one who said, what's your full name? And it's Simon Rex blank. I don't want to say my last name okay. if I can. And he's like, you need to lose your last name. Simon Rex sounds like a movie star. So he was the one that was like, you're Simon Rex now because it's my middle name. So anyway... Rick Simon Ferrari Rex Hitler. Be- yeah, exactly. That's actually correct. <laughs> um, to tell people. Uh, so I I uh I, I I'm I'm now modeling or going to appointments and she's jealous because I'm starting to get work and this is her dream. Yeah. And it just fell into my lap. I was never like, I want to fucking be a model. Like that's lame. Like, oh I'm uh it's just I don't know, it's corny. Yeah, yeah, Yo, yeah. did you did you feel like like cause there's really not a book on this shit i'm like, gonna write a book one day the story's still no being no, told. no not on your life you should do oh, that too but i'm saying a me. book on book on modeling like how do you how are you navigating that like as being like oh you just picked you out of a line like literally out of a mall like what? that classic story it's like exactly well that's the thing it's like anyone who's like i want to be a model you're probably not going to be a model it's like one of those things where like i, I don't know the more you want it the less you get it well, kind people of thing. be asking you to do it like it's like i got it fell into my lap and i was like oh i don't have to work as a bus boy on sunset boulevard which i was doing to fucking i could make uh, 800 bucks a day to stand there fuck yeah anything to avoid the grind so anyway i start doing like real modeling mind you she at the time was so struggling and we both were because i was working as a busboy that she would do nudie magazines hustler high society penthouse these back in the 90s were like the risque dirty magazines there was no internet yet oh brother i know okay so you know high like (laughs) she would do those magazines and hook up with chicks and i would be like at the shoots and i'm 18 years old i'm like this is dope my girl's like getting naked and fucking hooking up with chicks and I got caught with my pants down. I ended up doing a fucking couple jobs. She's like, we got to pay the rent. You, we got a kid. It's like, not my kid. And I got caught out there with my dick in my hand. Years later, it came Literally. back to haunt me when I was working at MTV. Fast forward, it surfaced. Like, there's pictures of you with your dick in your hand from when I dated the girl that was, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. that's, a, that's the whole nether path. So anyway, she, how, By the way, how old was she during this compared she, to I you? was 18. She was like 23. Okay. So... I was just like, kid, rock yeah. and roll, baby. Let's get naked. Let's party. Let's I mean, like, 18, go. like, is so young. Bro, like, you I don't, te- don't right out know of high anything. School. I don't yeah. know. I That's still what I'm don't saying know. Anything. Is like being thrown into that world, it's like, you don't know anything already. But then, like, how do you be a model? Like, how do you just Dude. show up and just stand there? I, I, yeah, I, I, I <laughs> guess. Like, I don't know. I just got thrown into it. So, and then, so. and is this where you started meeting, like, Ben Benitentiary and Correct. Ronson and this whole era of. Exactly. Okay. It's funny because, like, doing what you did where you're just like 18 graduate high school and just fucking go for it and like follow your nose it seems like oh that's like a genius adventure plan but i think the reality is is like most people just end up dead if they do that you know or like in jail or something just like completely winging it 18 like i shouldn't be here right now yeah it's like one in a million and well the key word what you said is plan like they're what they're still i'm very my whole life philosophy is like no plan is the best plan because i've just never planned and everything just kind of happened and maybe that's for sort of you know i'm very fortunate to be we could go down that road of like i'm a white american man with a lot more opportunities than most people so it's like i'm very lucky right fortunate right out the gate but there was just a lot of i i'm the only thing i'll pat my back myself on the dick for is that like if i see an opportunity what's I'll, a dick I'll do for a, <laughs> so basically him. like i was like oh i could do this let's do it and i w- was fearlessly did everything that presented itself which is a good and a bad thing but anyway i digest so um, yeah, dick you in your hand t- yeah dick you in hand shit down 
Huh? Which is good. Well, you don't. Uh, well, we'll get there. Yeah, lately yeah. I have been, but it's powerful to say no. That's a big one. Now right, I say no to right. a lot of shit. But anyway, so now I'm on this trajectory of like modeling, and I move off. We break up, me and the girl, and I move to Milan. I get a job in Milan, Italy. So now I'm like 19, living in Milan by myself. Show up in Milan, and I get signed to some agency. And you're just again pre-internet, pre-cell phone. You just get a map of the city, and they're like, you need to go here with a pen on a map, fold-out map, and you're going to the appointments and and i'm just like well this is better than going to college or sitting in a fucking office and there's just all these beautiful models i'm around the the women and, and men and uh i'm just fucking living in an apartment building filled with models just, everyone's fucking everyone's partying i'm like is this real like i'm 19 yeah. years old living in milan and then we'd go to paris i got an apartment in paris and new york and i'd do milan paris new york for like a few years that's how i met mark ronson that's how i met my boy ben that you know who the first day I did a photo shoot with them, we were downtown LA and he's like, see that building right there? And he points at the Twin Towers, which is the county jail. He's like, I'll be in there tomorrow. He had done an armed robbery. Coincidentally, Mickey Avalon's dad gave him a gun that he used in a robbery. What? Yeah. See, this is where the the spider webs start like connecting, right? Like it's where so said, much there's, webbery. There's just so many people like in the orbit that like and then wait, hang on. Back to the, the there's a crazy plane flying over. So yeah, we're outside, yeah. by the way. If you, you know, we're outside still doing the COVID pods. Technically, it's all part of the ambiance, dude. This is real life. You're in a crime-ridden neighborhood, and you're covering up for it. But I get you it. know what? It's good because you're just talking about the police. Your friend. So your friend. Yeah, your friend told you I'm going to go to jail Tom- by tomorrow morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did oh an armed God. robbery. Yeah. This guy's the most fascinating guy. Shout out to who is it? Shout, shout out, out to ben. ben and Ronson, but like Ben Attentiary. I call him Ben Attentiary because he's always in and out of jail. And it's and then Mark model. Ronson, who's now one of the most famous producers in the world. Yeah, big producer. And so I was like, one of the tours, little sidetrack. One of the tours, I was like, you, we need to take take Ben with us because I need this time for me and him to just. I need to ask my jail questions. I'm he's huge got fan the best stories. Let's have jail, dude. But the hell? yeah, you should. Oh my God, he's he. he <laughs> He knows so much that it's like, so anyway, we would go on like five hour trips. And I was like, please take Ben with me. I need to ask yeah. and ask and ask. But he's the fucking coolest guy ever. But he's lived a thousand lives too. Dude, he's a gnarly one. <laughs> but back to the modeling thing. Yeah. Because uh, there was a point where, and we can edit this out if you want, but there was a part where you went to like a Gucci party. Yep. I think it was Gucci. And you said that like back then they had the tray of just cocaine in a mound on a mirror and they yeah. walk around the parties with half cut straw gold straws yeah. and you would just everybody would hit a bump so it was versace and i was living oh, in versace. milan and it, this was in um florence which is the most beautiful part of italy and i remember we all got bussed down to florence for a versace show at this villa and madonna was there she was sitting in the front row and i remember everyone's nervous like don't fall down madonna's here it was like the you know this is 1994 or whatever and madonna was in the front row and she just loved fashion and male models and she dated my boy tony ward who was a big male model and she just liked rascal model dudes and and everyone actually thought they had a chance at fucking her because she was like would you know fuck 20 year old models and anyway so we go after (laughs) afterwards we go to a versace mansion in florence and out of a fucking scarface movie there's like servants walking around with glass trays with mounds of pure cocaine with little gold straws as if it was an hors d'oeuvre or champagne (laughs) and i was like oh i made it i'm here i'm in italy in the versace mansion with the coke on the tray and i'm not even a coke boy but i had to coke it up when in romania you know i piped it up the beak is getting wet oh it you literally, literally in Rome. you know, went in Rome. Oh, yeah. I was literally, literally in Rome. went in Rome. <laughs> it was actually near Rome. Um, 
so anyway, that happened. There's so many stories. You'll have to remind me. Like I forget. Like there's so many. Yeah, I know. I'm just gonna interrupt. So you just keep cooking, and I'll. I'll... Yeah, and feel free to interrupt because I forget my amazing weird life. Uh, so um, that happened, and then all you know the whole crazy shit. So I'm, I mean, I feel like obviously this is an interview, so I guess I could just talk about myself, but it feels so funny. No, yeah, please. But it's a it's an interesting story. So then I'm doing the modeling circuit and I'm like, this is so fucking lame. Like I just stand here. There's other dudes like out prettying each other. I never felt like one of them. I was never like one of these people, but I was just like, dude, this is the time of my life. Right. And then I end up in New York and I do a fashion show for Calvin Klein with Mark Ronson. That's how I met Mark. And me and my boy bring him back to our place and we have a freestyle record player beat machine freestyle. And we try to freestyle with Mark, but he wouldn't rap. He was all nervous. And we became friends with him. And to this day, he's one of my best friends. And so I just meet a lot of interesting characters along the path of this. And one day I'm in New York. And uh, mind you, this is pre-Giuliani New York. This is, it might as well be the 80s still. Sorry, stop Go you. Ahead. I have yeah. heard these freestyle raps between you and Mark, by the way. You still have it. Remember we pulled it out one time? I did? Yeah. We, I pulled it out we a lot. On a trip. And you showed me the tapes. It's fucking hilarious. Yeah, he's like with a British accent, like, mommy, mommy. (laughs) But what's funny is that everyone clowns him for having a fake British accent. I'll defend Mark till the day I die. He was born in London. His whole family speaks with a British accent, and he spends half of his time in London. So when people are like, oh, Mark with his pretentious accent, it's like, no, actually, sorry, he's British, and it comes and goes, so I defend him. Basically, shut up. Yeah. Anyway, um, where was I? Freestyle, New oh, yeah. York. Mark, New York. So I'm having, you got to understand, New York in the 90s was so ill. It was just like everything was around the model scene. This is pre Giuliani. It was the Wild West. It was dangerous. It was fucking crazy. There was an art scene. There was a fucking like club scene. It was just like the most fun you could possibly have in your 20s was New York in the early 90s. And I got to experience it and like just meet the just most interesting people, made a bunch of friends. Lived, so I lived in New York for five years. And um, I was one time my modeling agent says, oh, MTV is interviewing Marcus Schenkenberg, who at the time, you have to understand, this is the Cindy Crawford of male models. This is the first male supermodel. His name was Marcus Schenkenberg, and I was with the same agency he was. And he couldn't do the rehearsal on the MTV show that they were interviewing him at. So my agent goes, let's send Simon to fill in for him. He'll probably get a job out of this, because they knew I was a silly goose and a rascal. So they send me to do the rehearsal for Marcus and in they were right in the rehearsal the executives at MTV were like this Simon guy's funny you want a job as a VJ and I go I never forget I responded I have no journalism experience I have no music knowledge and have never been on TV and they go perfect you got the job wow <laughs> again fortuitous no plan fell in my lap okay I'll do it I wasn't like I want to be on MTV and so you're, you're so now I'm a VJ now I'm a VJ oh and, and you're bar- your by the way the like the sickest thing like when i was a kid my plan was to be a vj which is not a job anymore you right. know but like it's a dream job yeah 100 yeah, percent. i was like that's all i did when i was a kid is watch mtv vh1 and just be like dude i want to do whatever that is like it was the best exactly you're that. standing in spring break in fucking panama city beach with an mtv mic you are god you yeah. are just like the conduit you're in the you know i got to interview tupac i got to fucking hang out with like you name it like uh, howard stern i interview live on tv i'm i'm amongst now all of a sudden i'm like in and i'll never forget overnight like i was at bowery bar this like pop and bar and overnight 
everyone just starts recognizing me and I was like, oh, this is weird. Like like celebrities, like Salt and Pepper, the rap group were at this dinner and they're like, hey, what's up? We love you on MTV. I'm like, oh my God, Salt and Pepper. And this is like, this is so must weird. be interesting too because this is pre-internet. So like now there's Instagram, like the, the signifier that people know who you are is you get followers and you can right. see metrics, right. you know, like, like at this point, like it's just being put out on the TV and you're just living your life and people are just recognizing you all of a sudden. That must be really strange. It was really weird. And I had the three, I had the best slot. I was on MTV from 3 to 4 p.m., which is when everyone gets home from school. And they told me that when they hired me. They're like, we're giving you the 3 to 4 slot, which all the other VJs were like, fuck, Simon got the slot because that's the highest ratings. So I had the people would just race home to see what's new on MTV. And I was just like, Jesse. hey, coming up, we got a uh, Metallica, Alanis Morissette videos, blah, blah. And I had no idea what I was doing. And I was stoned out of my head reading a teleprompter and eventually like I got comfortable enough where I lost the teleprompter and would just improv it but so I just got thrown into it and was just like okay here we are then this is how the next transition happens Wait, Jesse, how old are you at this point too let's I'm 20 let's see let's do the math it was 96 so I'm 23 years old Jesus Christ see yeah. as a Midwest boy this is just crazy to hear too because like I mean we'll keep going but I, I a theme of this is that you're kind of just like hanging around and things are happening, opportunities are coming up. Right. You know, and like, I'm just taking inventory of like what I was doing from 18 to 23. Mind you, I did go to college, but like, dude, there's not like, in most places in America and around the world, there's like nothing like, things don't come up like this, you know? No, it's very there's weird. just like nothing. Like, you just kind of like, you're hanging out. Like, for me, I was like, just like fucking working at a pizza place and working at Jimmy John's and there's nothing really like happening and there's nothing going on, you know? It's weird, like, it's so crazy hearing you yeah. were on the pulse of things, like in the middle of it, like being uh, your a whole kid, time. seeing like what are would, would essentially be like the front page of the internet, and just basically you, or Jesse Camp and Carson Daly at Spring Break was like the fucking tightest thing ever. ever right? Yeah, like when you're watching that as a kid, you're like, oh, it's all you. I had. can't wait to be 25. Yeah, it's all you had. There was no other source of what was dope. Everything was MTV. It was the only place to go to back then. And now there's just a oversaturated things of you know social media, internet to find out like what's dope. That it's almost too much. Like I don't even know what's cool anymore. But it was just MTV. It was it back then. You know, a couple magazines, whatever. So. Then the the fortuitous fucking path keeps happening, and I'm working at MTV. And Gus Van Sant, the director who of did course, Goodwill yeah. Hunting and a lot of big movies, amazing director. He's a god. He sees me on MTV, and he's like, "I want to read Simon for a movie." So he calls MTV, and he's they bring me in to read for Goodwill Hunting for a small role with Matt Damon. I don't know if you remember the movie well, but there's a bully that has like two lines that he beats up in yeah, a park. So I read for that guy. And I go to the audition, mind you, again, I have no idea what I'm doing. I go sit there with Matt Damon and Gus Van Sant, and I'm reading the lines, and, and Gus Van Sant stops me and says, I guess I could just say Gus at this point. Gus stops me oh, <laughs> and says, God. Gus stops me and says, I'm sorry, Simon, I have to stop you. This is the worst audition I've ever seen. And Matt Damon looks at the floor and goes, <laughs> and Matt Damon had a cast on, he had a broken leg, and I remember just looking at the ground, I'm like, yeah, I've never done this before. I don't know what we're doing. He's like, it's okay, you're not ready for this but i'm gonna send you to an acting coach because you got something you're just not there yet huh. so he sends me to some gnarly like stanislavsky meisner method acting broadway theater acting class and i show up as the vj and they already hate me in the class because i already got on tv which you're is what they the all other. want and i'm the guy they're just like fuck this dude but anyway so i took acting lessons for like a couple years 
then that led to in comes the offer for karate dog (laughs) that did come later and wait so so, back it up real quick too like what were you doing wrong in the audition i'm kind of curious i don't reading it like a robot like like i i don't do it i never read lines before i was just used to being a vj i didn't know you were probably reading it Uh, like a vj maybe yeah i I was probably hosting the lines yeah hey how about them apples right (laughs) yeah i'm sure i was just very bad and anyway so that happened and uh so then I um, started taking acting lessons. And then my I get an agent because I'm on MTV. And then Barbizon started repping you not only Barbizon's for Barbizon's the dopest. And most people <laughs> don't know what that is. It, Barbizon for listeners was a 1980s bullshit scam where they'd be like, you want to be a oh, model? Dude, Did I it. remember that. What a name. I remember this. Barbizon, yeah, dude. I remember them it's like, a dope. It's like, a, like sounds like Andre Legacy's new album title. Barbizon <laughs> and... Um, and then there was like other companies like that. But I remember... Scam. It's yeah. actually kind of sad because not to do a huge tangent, but like what happens is I remember it happened to my sister is like, you know, she's like 13. They're like, hey, we think you should be a model. And like when you're 13, like any girl hearing that, they're like, oh, my God, like it's the best thing they ever hear. Right. And then somebody has that you either get scammed or somebody says like, oh, no, you actually can't be a model. Right. Like the parents have to be like, no, no, like yeah. you're not. No, yeah. like sorry. It's just such they would a just shitty roll, they situation. They would literally roll up to you at a mall. Yeah, and just that's how they used to find you. Yeah. yeah. Now, now Instagram, you people are everyone's a model now and all that bullshit. But yes, that was Barbizon was a big hustle. Well, the thing you have to pay, like oh right, yeah, oh yeah, pay us. We'll teach one. you how to model. Yeah, like, huh? yeah right. mm-hmm. <laughs> That was a scam. Anyway, uh, anyway, what were we talking about? You uh, were you taking lessons. acting classes. Oh yes, yeah, so I'm doing acting lessons. I have an agent. I'm going to now I'm starting to go on auditions and something really fucked up happened in New York. A friend of mine committed suicide in my apartment and Jesus. I got really fucked up from it. And then another friend died a month later from heroin overdose. And I go, I'm going to die out here. Like I'm going to die in New York. It got the dark cloud came over MTV. I had done my two years at MTV. One day they fired everybody. Uh, one day they called up and they fired me and four other VJs and replaced me with Carson Daly. And wow. I'll never forget the next week I'm out drunk at a bar and I see Carson Daly at a bar and he's wearing the shirt I was wearing the week before from work at the bar and I roll up to him and I was like hey man I was cool about it congrats he's like sorry man I'm like you don't need to be sorry you didn't do nothing and then he was smart enough to create TRL he pitched that idea and blew the fuck up from it he yeah. had the savvy wherewithal to be like I could pitch them an idea I never did nothing like that I'm just like tell me what to say Anyway, so now I'm just sitting in New York, ex-VJ, you know, what am I doing? Friend passes away, jumps out of my fucking window. Rest in peace, Kirk, my boy. So sorry, man. Yeah, it was awful. It was just, to this day, like, I realize I still have, like, this weird traumatic thing where, like, if someone wants to stay at my place and I'm not there because I, I... I left him at my apartment when I went to work for MTV in like Colorado, and that's when it happened. So now I have this weird thing where place someone's like, "Can I stay at your crib?" But it's weird shit comes up because that happened. So anyway, that sucked. Friend died. That sucked. I'm like, I'm gonna die in New York. So I moved to LA in '98 as an ex VJ with a little bit of acting class under my belt, and I just start booking everything dude like I, it was the craziest shit because i just walked into a room oh you were just on mtv back, back then that was clout you know they're like yeah, oh so, you're recognizable so people knew right had a name recently yeah, like right, from right, a, within right. the last year i was on mtv so all yeah. of a sudden i'm booking shit because they're like oh we got the guy from mtv and that's like this is back in the wb days the warner brother network days and they would give out holding deals and i remember i'd go in for an audition and if i didn't get the part they'd be like 
he's not right for Rick, the fucking, you know, the cab driver, but we like Simon. Let's give him a holding deal and they'd pay you six figures to hold you to not work for another network. These days are long gone. Oh, yeah. So I remember I get to L.A. and they're paying me to be like, okay, we got you on hold. You ain't going uh, to work for NBC. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm just partying in L.A. off this money to do nothing, you know? Uh, so I would get these holding deals and then they'd put me on like I did a show called Felicity and I did a show called Jack and Jill and I did a show with Amanda Bynes and I did all these WB shows. So I'm just making, back then like you're making like very good money, like high, like six figures a year. Like, in the 90s. In, no, late 90s, yeah, or, late 90s, yeah, early 2000s, like, yes. Show up and just say a line and then laugh and then the equivalent of, in your, It's probably millions. Now. It was it's a like, joke. I bought a house. Like that's yeah. how I bought my house in Laurel Canyon. And you had a Porsche. I had a Porsche and a house in the hills. That's oh, how so much I like, was balling. This is the equivalent of you're making like several million a year now. Uh, yeah, exactly. It yeah. just doesn't happen anymore. Probably like four million a year or something. Yeah, exactly. Like you have a house was, in the hills. Like I was balling out of control Porsche. at the time for for that age too. Just like anyway, so I was doing really well, and I had the house in the fucking Porsche. And then funny Porsche story. I pulled up in front of a Bank of America on Wilshire, and I saw myself in the reflection of the bank in a Porsche, and I had a hangover. He's nutted. And I go. Oh my God, I'm the douchebag actor in the Porsche in LA. I traded it in that day for an Audi because I'm like, I can't believe I'm this guy. I saw myself <laughs> in the mirror of the bank reflection. I was like, oh, I hate myself. <laughs> so I traded the Porsche in for an Audi and hung, turned it down a notch. But anyway, so now we're talking. Okay, so now I got the house in Laurel Canyon. I got the fucking Audi. I'm working. And then Scary Movie 3 happened, which was the big movie break. Um, I remember I went in and it was between me and what's the guy's name Ryan uh, what's Jerry O'Connell no what's the big Ryan guys Ryan Gosling no 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 no, not Ryan what's the dude's name who's the superhero Red Reynolds Ryan Reynolds Uh, uh, so now I'm fucking uh, I get Scary Movie 3 and uh, I'm off to Canada shooting Scary Movie 3 which was like a built in franchise which was like the dopest gig ever you know for someone who a Weinstein movie yeah it was was Bob and Harvey Weinstein (laughs) And I get to work with Kevin Hart and Charlie Sheen and fucking, you know, all these amazing actors and Leslie Nielsen and George Carlin. I got to work with fucking George Carlin, dude. Like on set. Well, my scene wasn't with him, but he Chris was in the Elliott. movie. Chris Elliott was in Scary Movie 5. So I didn't but, meet him till then. But yeah, so I did Scary Movie 3, 4 and 5. Anyway, long story short, then the acting thing kind of blew up. You know, and I was doing really well. Then all of a sudden, you know, as you know, Cam, in this business, as an actor at least, you're lucky to work six months out of the year. If you work six months out of the year, you're working a lot. So I had a lot of downtime. So I start making beats as a hobby, hip-hop beats. Name drop, Adrian Brody taught me how to make beats. He was my friend at the time. And Adrian was a producer for fun, and he taught me how to make beats on little machines. So I would buy music instruments, and as a hobby, produce beats. I meet Mickey Avalon and Andre Legacy through the web of deceit. Benitentiary Ben-ben- mm-hmm. goes, hey, I got these two rappers you should meet. You're making beats? I got these two rappers I went to high school with. Right. And it was Andre Legacy and Mickey Avalon. And I go, I don't want to meet no rappers. I'm just making beats for a hobby. And they're like, we don't want to meet Simon Rex. That dude's a kook. He forces us to all meet, and we fall in love. And we all click and magic happens mickey moves into my house legacy comes over every day and fucking brings the party favors and we just start making demos in my spare bedroom for fun like we were never like we're gonna blow up as rappers 
so we start making these demos at, at my house, me, Mickey, and Legacy, and we would I would take a burned CD and I'd wrap it in the LA Express, which was like the porn section, like a porno yeah, newspaper, yeah. and I'd hand them out at the clubs to like Leonardo DiCaprio. I'd see him, I'd like, Leo, check out me and my boys, and I'd hand out demos to like celebrities in LA, and somehow it starts circulating through Hollywood that Simon is doing rap with these two dope dudes. Mickey gets signed to Interscope. We're on tour Mickey, in Europe Mickey with the was Chili like Pepper. The hottest thing. The hottest thing. Uh, like, oh, oh, like, five. I can equate it to like when Tyler Creator got that, like that year. We just kind of yeah, I remember that happening. It was just like Mickey Avalon was, and this is also pre like kind of internet. Really, like you know, it was and for the audience, 1. he did my dick. Yes. We were talking about before Jane Fonda, my dick. He did a lot of he he got a Boost Mobile campaign. He oh, got wow. like Interscope signed him. You but know, like, and, and what was his story? Because you said his dad gave the guy a gun to do that. What like what what's Mickey's like brief backstory? Like I, you should have him on because his story makes to. mine seem like yeah. fucking child's play. His story is the craziest shit. So ever. his dad like was giving guns to people. Yeah, his dad was a gangster junkie, uh, you know, drug addict who went sober and ironically died leaving an you can't write this shit so yeshi's mickey his name real name's yeshi his father who was you know a drug addict for years uh, got sober and he's leaving an aa meeting on la cienega and gets hit and killed by a drunk driver if that isn't the definition of irony i don't know what is so yeshi has a very tragic story he's had a lot like he raps about shit that people are like oh that's all bullshit it's like no it's not that dude's a gnarly fucking dude who was a street hustler who fucking lost his dad he found his sister passed away he's just had a lot of gnarly shit happen to him and was just like a real motherfucker and he grew up listening to rap so he knew how to rap so he just had a story to tell and he would wear makeup so he was like a glam rapper yeah. which had never been done so you know interscope signs him we're on tour with the chili peppers in europe oh and my once God. again i'm like that's how did this happen <laughs> i we were never like we're gonna make it as rappers again it just happened it wasn't like some plan you know what i'm saying like it all just happened and uh then that's how i met cams to bring it all to that point that we started mm -hmm. off with but the web too like we we're talking about is like lmfao kesha uh um fucking what's his uh what's uh well yeah i mean like because just doing some research be by the way that is fucking insane <laughs> yeah <laughs> that whole story i mean oh and it keeps going it's still happening no yeah and i want to keep it going no um, no i mean yeah okay but um yeah it's like i was just a little too young at the time to kind of like well and i was just far removed from the pulse of things you don't know like you're digesting media like as it comes to you you don't see how it's connected at all but now like kind of looking back on it i see you and mickey avalon I also see LMFAO. I see Kesha, and I'm like, oh, there's like a theme to all of this. This happening in a few years, and it's like, oh, I, these are connected stylistically. Like, you know, it it turns out they actually knew each other. Like, Cam, you DJed for both of them. Like, it starts to everything starts to kind of click for me. And Cam was sort of explaining it beforehand, but it was interesting yeah, just, to like, kind of see the connection more of before. A, like a community, right? Like, I f I feel like 
everybody was just in talks at that point. Like LA music scene was, there was a, a wave. More, yeah, there was like a resurgence of the LA music scene that was like the new like Motley Crue rock and roll sunset exactly. strip. But it was LMFAO, Mickey Avalon, Cisco. Kesha, Cisco making all the beats for a lot of people. Who else? There was just like a a, a movement happening in LA that was That's like surprising to me because it's just like it, I didn't see these as connected before, especially yeah. with Kesha and LMFAO, especially LMFAO. Like they were so big. Like, like you gotta understand me about, that was. Oh, I know so how big, big LMFAO was. Like, dude, they bro. played like the Olympics or like the oh, fucking course, like they yeah. were. It was bro, just when we huge. would tour with them, it was like it like was, stadiums. Like, they oh were, yeah. yeah, they had like fans. Fans, bro. They're still selling like bootleg. I'm in Miami, bitch. Like uh, shirts or whatever. Oh my God. In Miami, they hit they hit those three songs back to back to back, and I was like, this is they're forever now. They're, I thought, see, like forever. Me and I think most people like I thought. I don't know, digesting pop music at the time and I mean just in general, you're just like, Oh yeah, they just just like invented in a lab some at some point, you know? Well it's he like, was actually like, red oh sorry to cut you off. No, I mean and to an extent, yeah, like pop music songwriting is invented in kind of like a scientific way, but it's like interesting now to see like, oh, there actually was kind of like this wave happening and there's a story. And you started yeah. telling me about LMFAO, Cam, but yeah. It's just fascinating. I, I did not expect this. Red I think Fu, you were going to say it. Red yeah. Fu was very smart and his, you know, his uh who was his uncle his again? His dad is Barry Gordy. Barry Gordy is his dad, one of the gnarliest fucking soul producers of all time I mean, R&B. He used to ma- ma- like, the, famously LFAO's uh, uncle son duo, right? Right. Barry Gordy Wait, uncle is, nephew duo, uncle right. nephew duo. Barry Gordy yes, you're discovered right. the Jacksons. Like Yeah, no, next shit. level, next level. So, so he grew up around dad it. Dad discovered the Jacksons. Red Foo Red was Foo's like the, the kind of, you would call him the lead of LMFA. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. So I saw Red Foo when he was just around the clubs DJing in LA like early 2000s. And I seen him in Miami once and he comes up to me with his crazy outfit on. And he hands me a CD hand printed out like back when like I was doing. And it was like three songs. And he handed it to me. He's like, hey, man, he's just walking around the beach handing out CDs. And I'll be honest, I wasn't hating, but I was like, yeah, all right, good luck, bro. Like, what's this shit? And I remember listening to going, oh, that's actually kind of catchy. But I don't think it was the palette for like music at the time. It wasn't like they kind of put a new sound out at the time that was like hip hop, rap kind of vibe. I think at that moment to say that he was in Miami, bitch, at that point in time, I think. He didn't say that, but but he was out there like promoting, I'm in Miami, bitch. It was like a different. About where I'm at right now and say, (laughs) bitch, after it. Yeah. This is a wave. Yo, he was, I think it was very, the opposite of me. It was, he was very planned and smart. Dude, and he, knew used what he was to doing. DJ Cinespace. I you see him at like Cinespace wearing an AMAP hoodie and like he would just be there with like that whole wave of like electro house music too. And then all of a sudden I just remember like he would just start coming, dressing differently and like turning up and dancing and Wait, then, so like, yeah, that back, spawned... back, back this up. Wait, so like, what was your experience here? No, you... that was it. Like when I started DJing, and what's Cinespace? Cinespace used to be like the ill club for like house music. That's where kind of like Steve, Steve Aoki got started. DJ Am used to DJ there, and like a lot of me and my friends. Like that's how we kind of got going back then. More so than now, without social media, is you needed to be in LA or New York to like be around it and make it happen but yeah there was just a, there, there was a whole mid-2000s thing that happened and we ran that fucking dirt nasty mickey avalon 
shit to the ground. We still were touring. We just did a Australia tour right before the pandemic and Bali, and still people are coming out, and still young twenty-something-year-olds are coming out. Like, how the fuck do you know about this? And it's because it's eternally immature, young party fun music that somehow people keep finding and coming to, and like. Yeah, yeah, it's a trip. It's very and so, now I got to be honest. At forty six years old, like being on stage rapping about like sucking my own dick and doing coke is like, ugh, I'm not into it. Yeah, but it pays good, and I'll go have fun for an hour, and I'm not above it. But like, my heart ain't in it anymore. I'm just going through the motions. Yeah, um, <clears throat> just just thinking about it, stories. <clears throat> uh, remember when we were in Australia? We played that show, and that dude just. <laughs> Socked you in the face Best ever <laughs> And then you jumped off the stage With the mic in your hand And I here's, think you hit him with the mic No here's what happened I remember it very clearly This is exactly what happened We flew to Australia Which might be the furthest a human being could fly on the planet From LA to Sydney It's like a 14 hour yeah. flight on a full tank of without, gas Yeah without refueling Yeah so we flew all the way there And my tour manager Chucky Thanks Chucky Made the show the night we landed. No time to adjust to the time change. We landed at 5 a.m. and the show was at midnight. I'm like, really, bro? We got to stay up all day long. I'm drinking espresso, espresso, getting faded, trying not to fall asleep because we got a show. I finally get on stage after the longest fucking day you could ever imagine. I get on stage and I'm like, hey, what's up? Da, da, da. Talking shit from, you know, just got out here from L.A. And this dude jumps on stage grabs the mic out of my hand That's right. and yells Australia and punches me in the face with the microphone in his hand <laughs> and my chin turns and looks right at Cam's. And I remember Cam's later saying, I've never seen that look in your eye of rage. And I instinctively grab the dude, fall off stage with them, and I just start bombing on him and security pulls me off. In of a him. leather a jacket. Yeah, leather jacket. And a Tuscadero. circle is formed around us going, dirt nasty, as I'm like fighting some Australian dude. And I was like, it was the best ever. The dude punched me in the microphone, made the feedback sound like, and it was at, thinking about it later. Then they kicked him out. I was like, no, bring him back. Bring him back. I want to buy him a beer. Isn't that the Australian way? And they wouldn't let him back in. And then the next day I tweeted, hey, does anyone have footage of that fight? I want to see what it's like. And the owners of the venue were like, take that shit down right now. Someone was murdered in that club two weeks ago. We don't need any more heat. Take it down or, or you have a problem. So I took the tweet down. We fly to... Um, Another city in Australia called uh, Edin Edinburgh. I can't remember the name. Some shit town in Australia. And when we land, there's a fucking <laughs> Wait, buff up dude. Australia and then just there's shit a on it. buff dude with a mohawk and a suit on waiting for me at the gate when we get off. I'm like, who are you? He's like, I'm your security guard, mate. We heard you're a real scrapper. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, I've been in one fight in a decade. And they think I'm like some fighter dude. But the press was amazing because it was like dirt nasty beats up fan. Like they exaggerated yeah. the story. And it circulates through the whole thing. And then all of a sudden, like, there's this, like, adding to the character of Dirt Nasty, which is even Dirt Nasty is, like, not really who I am. So it's just, like, shit's just hilarious. It was just. I, and then thinking back, I was like, I couldn't have planned it any better. I'd be like, all right, dude, you're going to jump on stage. You're going to grab the mic. You're going to yell Australia. You're going to punch me in the face. Then you're going to let me throw you off the stage and fucking punch you. And we're going to get good press. Yeah. It was, like, perfect. But again, no plan. Oh, that's well, the could theme gone... of the podcast. Shut up. Well, no, it could have like gone so bad too. I mean, you could have been like sued and arrested in Australia. And, like, yeah, yeah, no shit. It was fucking gnarly. Like that's it... the thing with like all of these wild stories is that like 
you just managed to get off scot-free, but all of them, a lot of these could have been life-ruining. Oh, yeah. And like, I've had a lot of those close calls, game over. dude. I've had very close calls, too. At the end of the that Australia trip, remember when somebody went in our green room, stole my, oh, my, yeah. all my DJ That's shit, right. and then with in my passport? Melbourne. In Melbourne. Yeah. And it was in the bushes. You and found then, it in well, the bag. And in then, the like, I just started, like, shaking people down, and then all of a sudden, like, I found it in a, somebody pointed to a bush and was like, all right, I'll take you to it just pointed to a bush and it was there with my passport. What? That was wait, so wait, crazy. Wait, wait, right wait, wait. before like, we were like, we're leaving. Like, I had to fly in That's two hours. Right. Wait, wait, wait. So, so what stressful. happened? Wait, like, like you said that real quick. We were just... So, so you... Somebody stole it and then you went started going around I went... People. Okay, check this out. We finished a show in Melbourne. The show was so dope. The, like, everybody there was amazing. Like, the hospitality was amazing. We're in the green room. I go piss. The, the, the bathroom is, like, outside of the green room. But... 10 feet away go piss couldn't been couldn't have been more than a minute and a half come back i i look behind the couch where i'd hid my 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 backpack with like my dj shit in my passport yeah fucking gone in a minute and a half someone went in there and like took it i don't know what they were looking okay, for so there's like a limited suspect pool time that i tell you <laughs> i swear to god my flights our flights in like two hours we have to stay up oh. you know like it was one of those nights tour life baby and i'm like asking the security guards like you know is there cameras like who like what the fuck it can't be very far so they're all on it they're they're super cool and then all of a sudden like i'm like i'm like outside hanging out just like what the fuck am i gonna do i'm gonna have to start going to the airport now and dealing deal deal with this some fucking fan comes up and goes hey are you looking for your backpack and i was like yeah idiot (laughs) and they're like all right i didn't do this but i know where it is I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Just take me to it. Like, I don't care. What do you want? Do you want me to pay you? And then he like takes me around the corner and it's just in a bush. So they're like, yeah, they stashed it and they're going to take it later. They were like went through my laptop trying to find things like music. I don't know. And luckily I got it back. But that was. That's insane. Those Australians are all criminals. They tell you underneath it all. <laughs> Damn. That's not racist because it's a country. Yeah. True. It's countryist. It's true. Is it a continent? It actually is a continent. You're right. You know, let's see if we can name the seven continents because four of them begin with A. North America, South America, Africa, Europe, Asia. Antarctica, Australia. Yep. God damn. Smart. Um, Doing like second grade You skipped over a very important part of your glow up, which was the... There's a lot of skippage. Um... Tommy Hilfiger campaign. Oh yeah, that and did you, Tommy Hilfiger. That was, well, I you were like, get to my questions yet, which is wild. Oh, so, oh sorry, I know no, I'm a lot. You no, gave me a really strong this. coffee. I'll Keep suck both your dicks at mode. the same time. But hang on, the Tommy Hilfiger thing. You got to explain that with Aaliyah and stuff. That. That's oh a yeah, fun one. yeah, yeah. So I basically got like the big blow up within the modeling thing at the time. Tommy Hilfiger was like the shit, and I got a Tommy Hilfiger campaign, and it was like on all the buses. It was on all the Source magazine back then. It was like I, it was like a big campaign because Tommy Hilfiger was the shit and then I went on a Tommy Hilfiger tour where we'd take a tour bus from New York to LA and stop in all these malls across the city and do fashion shows and it was with Aaliyah Kadada and Rashida Jones Um, the the campaign was called it's in the jeans pun celebrities kids I was the only non-celebrity kid on the tour it was like uh, Luke Flynn, Errol Flynn's grandson, Jackson Brown's son, Ethan Brown, Rashida um, Jones, Rashida now married and Kadada Jones, Quincy Jones' daughters, married a friend of the pod, Ezra Koenig. Now, oh, interesting. Yeah. Friend of the pod should be a podcast because everyone always says friend of the pod. Probably exists. I'm sure it does. Um, 
And so I was like, and, and Aaliyah, actually, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Aaliyah was the other person who wasn't a famous person's kid. So me and Aaliyah were on the tour, and I was just, she was the sweetest girl. I just remember hanging out, and Aaliyah was so sweet. She was just like this cool-ass chick, just down to earth. Like, we just watch movies in hotel rooms and kick it, and she was just like, for such a big star at the time, this is like her peak. She was just the homie. And so that was like a big look at the time to be like in that world associated yeah. with like. Are you guys doing like private flying private everywhere? No, that was that. I that's a whole nother chapter, which would be like the Paris Hilton, Charlie Sheen private yeah, jet chapters. That that's there. a whole nother one. Dude, we need to hear this. <laughs> we chapter. just scratched I mean, the surface today. Yeah, my life's a cliche. I mean, how do you guys have a hard out? I got a hard on. I mean, besides oh, that, like, all you guys, right, no, that's it. Could you yeah. guys do for a little bit longer? What do you I think? got. Let's see. I got to be back in Joshua Tree. It's a. I, I could do another fifteen. All right, let's go to a quick break, and then we'll come back and do another fifteen. Hopefully, more than fifteen. Yeah, let's keep going. Let's keep going. So, what was the what was the Paris Hilton Charlie Sheen private jet? <laughs> Those are crazy. So, I did Scary Movie three with Charlie Sheen. Became friends with them. And I, do you remember when he did that tour in two thousand ten, where he went on tour and it was called like the uh, Torpedo of Truth tour? And he's like, note, "Fuck my show." Side note: I went to high school with Charlie Sheen's daughter, so I oh. used to hang out with Charlie as well. But we'll we'll he, link up in a second. Yeah, there's the web. Yeah, it's all connected. Um, so Charlie. Uh, says fuck two and a half men. I'm gonna go on tour. Was and this around the Tiger Blood? That was the Tiger oh, Blood yeah. era. So that's when he coined the term. And he was like, "Hey, he hits me up, and I was doing a show. I don't think you were there. I was doing a show in Salt Lake City. I just landed in Salt Lake City. It's like 2010. He's like, Simon, what are you doing tonight? I'm like, I have a show in Salt Lake. He's like, I'll fly you back right now, pay you double if you come over. I'm gonna do a live stream on the computer announcing a tour that I want to do, and I want you to perform at the end of my tour and do 1980 because you have the second greatest song of all time. I'm like, okay. He goes, it's Stairway to Heaven, 1980 uh, in my book. So like, much okay. cocaine is in his nose during oh my this God. call. So he <laughs> tastes the cocaine so just hearing the story. I have to cancel the show because I'm like, fuck it. This is a weird opportunity. So yeah. Charlie calls me. I fly back. We do a live stream online, which in oh, 2010 was kind of not a thing. It was kind of new streaming live. Yeah. So he streams live and he announces, fuck two and a half men. Fuck Chuck Lorre. I'm going on a nationwide tour and come see me live in person and let's see what happens. So I fly out, he makes the announcement. I'm fake DJing behind him, like so weird. Yeah, yeah. And he's got his two girlfriends at the time, two porn stars. Who are they again? I can't remember their names. Oh fuck. Um, There's an audience member that's like, fucking yeah, idiots. I know yeah. who it is. You know. So we go, so he's like, I want you to come on this tour with me and perform your song at the end. And I go, What what are we doing? He goes, I have no idea, Simon, but my whole life I've been told stand here, say this, wear this, fuck everything. I'm doing it my way. I'm like, respect. That actually makes sense. I get it. Like, I get it, too. He hit a wall, and he's like, fuck everyone. And that's when he was doing interviews like Tiger Blood Baby and that whole thing. So I was with him, and I go on this nationwide tour to stadiums, and we're flying on private jets from, like, city to city. And I'll never forget the first flight from Van Nuys to Detroit for the first show. He's got a G6. Is that the biggest plane? Yeah. Uh, and we're in a G6 and there's like seven of us, which is ample room for seven people. I'm laying down on a couch with my backpack as my pillow and he's fucking like, they're trying to fuck me. Live Nation's trying to fuck me. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, this plane's too small. I need a bigger plane. He knocks on the pilot cockpit door and there he's like, yeah, Charlie. He's like, I need a bigger plane. And they're like, there is no bigger plane. This is it. He goes, then I need another plane. We're too crowded in here. 
All right, Charlie. Another G6 pulls out of the hangar, and me and two other dudes go into the other one. So it's like four in one, three in the other, and two G6s fly to Detroit, where there's a fleet of Rolls Royces waiting for us on the Detroit runway. Oh my like, god! To take us to fucking the Four Seasons or whatever, like, and I'm like, this is real life. What is happening here? You're just stepping over my. F- I was uh, just oh. gonna flame you, but it's oh, fine. flame me. You know, it's too late. No, I'm in. I'm telling a story, but no, flame. Keep going, keep flame going, away. Keep going. No, I like. I could take a flame. No, it's over with now. Oh, what the was flame is put out? All right, all right. You missed your opportunity to just clap back. This I is know crazy. Keep going. So now we land in Detroit. We do the first show, and it goes so horribly that the whole uh, he really doesn't have a plan. He has Kirk Fox, my boy, do stand up to open it up, which was funny. Kirk Fox is a funny comic. Then he has like uh, Roger Clemens, the pitcher, come out and throw a ball back and forth and improv with Charlie. He has no plan on what to do, and I got to close it with 1980. Didn't he bring uh, the Roastmaster General out? Uh, no, let me. That, we're getting oh, there. We're getting. It's okay. We're gonna get there. So, fucking the show goes so bad that the crowd starts leaving and chanting "refund, refund" oh in Detroit. God. So as they're leaving, an exodus of the crowds leaving, chanting "refund." He goes, "Uh, give it up for Dirt Nasty," and I got to come out. As they're leaving as a white rapper in Detroit yep. and do 1980. And I remember the crowd's all leaving and they stop mid-leave and see me rapping and then are like, no, no, fuck you guys. And just pour out and I'm rapping with pie on my face. And I'm like, oh boy, that went horribly. So we have like a meeting afterwards and we're talking and hanging out. He's like, I don't give a fuck. I'm like, Charlie, you need some structure. Like someone's got to tell you, like you need to have a plan. So a couple more horrible shows happen and I go, do you know who... Um, Jeff Ross is and he's like who's Jeff Ross I'm like he's a really funny comic he'd be good for this he could come be the glue to the thing and kind of host it with you because I think you need some structure and a comic so we called Jeff Ross on the phone together hey nice to meet you Jeff Charlie he's like yeah I got a gig but I'll cancel it to come help you guys he flies out and somehow throughout this rest of the tour the roast of Charlie Sheen is born so it becomes a roast of Charlie Sheen, which was the biggest Comedy Central roast to date yeah. that I was the impetus to. And then when the fucking taping of the... And I didn't expect to be on the panel, but when they shot the roast, I wasn't even invited by oh Charlie God. or fucking Jeff. And I got mad at both of them. I'm <laughs> like, really? How'd y'all meet again? At least let me in the audience. I'm not... I don't care about being on the panel. I don't think I'm famous enough to be on the panel, but like... No respect, no respect. Like, let me oh in the God. fucking yeah, hang yeah. out with you guys. Come on, man. I, I introduced y'all. I yeah. felt really dis. And then they both were like, "Oh, sorry, I didn't even think about it." Whatever, all good. But that that happened. That's crazy. Yeah. And then uh, and Paris Hilton was involved in no, this. No, no, Paris Hilton separate. is a whole nother thing. I um, mean, oh, man, I have another uh, go. Well, like it's just crazy to me because I mean, I I feel like I've had some adventures here. Nothing. I mean nothing even close to just a minute of what you've lived you know it's but it's wild to me now you live in joshua tree like like what is it what's a normal day like for you like how how do you go from like two g6 planes and like the rolls royce how do those memories sit in your brain when now you live in joshua tree now which is like I'd, I'd describe it as like it around like a little it's so it's quiet jar it's, it's a trip jarring jarringly quiet, quiet almost like suffocatingly quiet it, yeah it's fucking heavy what do you how do you like yeah what's it like living next to Jason Momoa and Joshua Tree I don't know <laughs> well, no I I've mean just him. like you know you have those like 
these huge things in <clears throat> your past that like these like giant stories like these Charlie Sheen eras pulling up to the run like you know landing in two planes getting into all these Rolls Royces and then like it's like I watched a like, movie it doesn't seem like it happened like yeah. I, I look back like as I'm telling you I'm like oh that really happened it's like it, I don't really understand if that makes sense it's almost like I watched a movie but I was in it and it's weird but it doesn't seem real to me, you know? Yeah, it doesn't like kind of like form a place in your trajectory. It's more, like it's your... less about the amount of level of crazy fame and like that, that's that. It could have just been that I was hanging out with gangsters in the hood and shit was crazy. And then now I'm sitting alone quietly in the desert. It's more like overstimulation, over crazy fucking 100 miles an hour to zero. Is like you're sitting just like, whoa. And you're just kind of like, I, I live in the middle of nowhere, off grid, down a dirt road. And I just sit there in the silence and the silence is deafening. And you got to like Killing sit there. Dirt road. What's ideal for you? Living on George Jones. Um, I like, basically just working want? on my property. I'm, I bought a piece of land and I'm building sort of a nice little retreat type yeah, yeah, vibe yeah. so I could have friends and family stay or maybe rent it out one day for a fucking who knows what. I, I don't know. Like, we'll figure it out. I'm just kind of working. I'm enjoying just being out in nature and working on my property and building like these dope little trailer zones and a little guest house. And I'm going to do a pool. And I'm just kind of taking my life savings and putting it all into this. Like, a, but the, I bought the place right before the pandemic hit. And my plan was to just go live in the desert on the weekends to get out of the madness and just sort of have weekends away. Pandemic hits. LA goes burning in hell. I'm like, well, why am I staying here? I'll go live in my desert crib. So I've been there since then. So that was, yeah. again, no plan. <laughs> just part of what happened. And now I'm there full time until I just come back to LA now. And after two days, I'm like, fuck this place. Get me yeah, back yeah. to the desert. Now I'm like, you just, we adapt quick. Like now I'm just used to the kind of peace and quiet and not being in the disgusting chaos of the fucking burning down Babylon, which is LA and Cam's neighborhood, which is awful, horrible, homeless town, the streets, pissing on his house, shitting on the corner. I saw a dude, and I'm sorry if I don't sound empathetic because it's fucked up with the homeless situation. But what happened was I hit a point in LA where I stopped, I, I, my empathy meter was reached because I was so bummed out at how many times my car has been robbed i seen someone whipping out their dick and taking a shit in front of me that it was just like i can't be around this fucking disgusting human species anymore it's fucked and i know it's drugs mental illness the system it's all bad but i'm like i lived in san francisco new york skid Row LA. Too. i know what it's like it's just I, like, I, dude, I can't I, take it anymore it, it hits you when you're in skid like some just like dude like i can there's a world where i just don't see somebody's like taking a shit it's fucked up it's dude. like it, it derails your days but anyway i don't want to go on too much of a tangent but yeah i know you're saying it's like you, you get used to it and then like you'll have a moment where you're like this Wait, is normal like, some people don't see a person shooting up at like noon no. like you don't have to see it like i could go live somewhere else anyway yeah new york san francisco la from 45 years of that of uh, but especially the last couple years in la of it just getting really bad and then the i'm like i'm out i'm done i can't be around this many human beings and, and it's too much so now i'm just in the desert and we'll see what happens next before i forget i mean i should have asked you this long ago but the one thing i have written down that i need to ask is what happened with the princess Meghan Markle. Oh yeah, that's another crazy story. That's a wild story. You popped up in the news cycle of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, like 
all of that huge, huge drama. Now they're gone. You know, they've like, what did they leave the they're royal Santa family Barbara essentially? Now. They're in Santa Barbara. They're in Santa Barbara. So yeah. they're here did now. You make that up? No, they live in Santa Barbara. So you had. <laughs> you still talk to I her. mean, you. <laughs> no, but. So I essentially just, it popped up that like you guys had some kind of alleged history. I don't know if you're even going to be willing to talk about it. I'll but talk like, about it. Yeah, yeah, please. I got nothing. So, I'll, so all the my headlines shit's out were that like, you got bribed, attempted to be bribed by tabloids to do what? Let's so, back okay. it up from the beginning, but you you popped up in the news cycle of the royal yeah. family, which yeah, it was is wild. One of the craziest uh, places yo, that you is, pop up. That is very funny when you put it like that. So yeah, it was it was wild. <laughs> I, I don't know where um this thing that I get hit up by these British tabloids like right before she married Prince Jerry or what's his name Rick Harry Harry. Yeah. Um, they hit me up like, hey, we we heard you went on a date with Meghan Markle. Are you willing to tell the story? By the uh, way. Pause just the absurdity of like that you started this with saying I worked in a potato factory and then you like took a drug <laughs> and then moved <laughs> and then it and, and then like now we're here where it's like it's so crazy the princess yeah the princess, the princess. yeah it's so all keep fucked going, up keep going keep going so Full, yeah. yeah just insane so I won't say the name of the tabloid but they hit me up and they're like look we want to do a piece on her uh, are you willing to tell us what happened on your date and I'm like did I go on a date with her and I remembered it was like more like uh, I did a sitcom with her and we met on the sitcom on the CW network and we all went out as a crew and I think like I, I got her phone number and we I, but I never so much as kissed her nothing um, and somehow they got wind of that we knew each other and they just wanted a juicy piece and they said we'll give you $70,000 if you say you slept with her my broke ass was sitting around like I could really use that money right now but I couldn't stomach doing that. Like yeah. one, it's one thing to lie about getting laid. It's another thing to throw someone under the bus like that. And it's another thing to have the fucking KGB or whatever the British Secret Service is yeah. like fucking James knowing Bond who I am. All this motherfucker's lying about Silence fucking PP seven. There was a lot of elements, and I just couldn't. And, and I had to sit with it for a couple of days to like think about it. And I was just like, ah, I need the money. I'm like, I just can't fucking do it, dude. So I said no. Um, I'll tell you, they said, okay, well, t I said, I'll, I'll tell you the, the, uh, an exaggerated version of the truth. Uh, they're like, all right, we'll give you 30 grand. I shouldn't talk about money, but whatever, fuck it's it. Whatever. You don't have to edit that out. Who cares? We'll give you 30 grand to just say what happened. And I'm like, all right, yeah, we, we went on a date and nothing happened, basically. And they bought that. Oh, my God. So she got wind of the fact that they offered. TMZ did this whole thing on like, oh, we heard that Simon got offered. I don't know how they found out. Well, we heard that Simon got offered more money and said no and didn't. So I get a letter one day in my P.O. box in the desert. I open it up and it's like this gold crested handwritten letter from the Royal Palace, from Buckingham Palace. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? I open it up and it's a letter handwritten from Meghan Markle saying me and my husband, thank you for doing the right thing, for telling the truth and not being part of the problem, which has made us leave, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's very sweet of you. I wish you all the best. Meanwhile, I'm looking for the check. No money. Bitch didn't pay me a dime. <laughs> but you Just got kidding money if from you're the tabloids. Huh? Did you get money from the tabloid or Yeah, no? I did, but I wanted, the I wanted that bastard. 40G difference. Dude, that's wild that you got paid, like... You didn't even remember hanging out with her, and then they paid you $30,000 just to be like, yeah, nothing happened. That's crazy. I'm that's sorry so to talk sick. about money. That's tacky. No, no, no. That's like, I mean. It's just cr part of the story. It's crazy. Oh, no, yeah. All right, I'm out. Just oh, no, I'm just no, no. I'm just kidding. No, um, I do got to leave it. I do really have to leave in 10 minutes, though. Okay. Um, I mean, that's just so wild. Also, of just being so famous that, like, people are, the tabloids are paying you money just to say like anything. Like, like you were, I don't even, the fact that they even found out that you, 
hung out with her. Yeah, that was is my question. Wild. Is like, how I do they know. even do? How did they figure I, that out? I have no idea. It, like, that's how much some people make in a year. Thirty thousand. I know, dude. Like, I trust me. Like, it's not fair. And, and you're I getting totally thanked. get it. You're getting I, thanked. For I know. That too. It doesn't make sense. It, the whole thing's weird. And uh, but I did the right thing. And I and I and I framed the letter that she wrote me because I was like, one day I got to show this to my grandkids if I ever even have kids. Because then you need grandkids. If you have kids, you can't have grandkids without kids. Is yeah, how it right. works. So I gotta have a kid and then a grandkid and then put that in their face. Be like, I'm royalty, bitch. That's. Have you ever? Have you haven't <laughs> you spoken to her since, right? <laughs> you wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> what? You haven't spoken to her. Ever. No, There's but that. I was in Santa Barbara recently, and I was like, I wonder how I could hit her up and be like, Lay, take me to lunch. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, dude, that's wild. You got paid too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's beyond just the story. You got the money. Yeah. I mean, so I guess like, yeah, kind of circling back to. That question I had before, I don't even know if it's a fully formed question, but it's 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 hard imagining having all of these experiences happen so randomly and then just to kind of like wake up in the morning and like I, I wouldn't even know how to process this. I know? don't know how to process it. I, w- I don't know. Nothing makes sense. Everything's just weird. And like, yeah, that's and now, uh, so I don't remember most of it. There's so many other crazy things that have happened that I just I'll be like, oh, yeah, that happened. Like, but these are obviously the ones that are like you could look up and find. But there's so much other shit that's even crazier. That's just maybe not associated with a I big think, name, but crazy stories. I think a lot of people listening. And I don't necessarily think this is true, but a lot of people listening probably right now hearing like the Charlie Sheen hearing about the Versace party. It's like, oh, once you've seen that, like how how do you just go about a regular day you know like like once you've had the golden straw cocaine and like you know a model like madonna's there like like how are you just like going to get coffee in the morning i don't well that's actually my highlight of my day like Like, it just because you i think we just adapt and like you just are kind of like oh okay now this is my reality and like now that i've done all that like i realize that it's actually sounds so much like it's almost like it sounds so crazy and and it is but it's like it's just weird more than it is oh i've done it like i i I don't know i i really don't even think i processed it all but sitting out in the desert alone you sometimes sit there like whoa that's some crazy shit but like but like you just shot a movie with with the legend sean baker is he a legend he is right i mean i i'm a fan he he, florida project project and tangerine so it's like this this type of shit like uh, we've obviously been in a pandemic for a year and a half it's like this type of lifestyle is going to probably ramp up again Re- for you like simon rexessance i mean oh, in i like a different that way. yeah i'm getting points on this that's if a good you, one if you use that good term one. good one jay i get points um yeah i can talk about the movie because it's on deadline so it's out um, there the word's out uh it's just being edited right now i did a movie with sean baker but i'm I, because of everything you just said i'm not getting gassed up and i've already had so many peaks and valleys and ups and downs and eating the humble pie and for instance cams and i did a fucking pilot i've had so many failed pilots oh, we yeah. did a three loco pilot for adult swim with the t- uh eric uh, tim tim eric eric, eric wareheim he directed as big as it gets the biggest studio you could dream of no pilot picked up i, I did a pilot with todd phillips for tbs two years ago doesn't get picked up I've had so many ups and downs and crushed dreams in between and weird shit that I'm just like, what else are you going to throw at me at this point? Like, so I'm going to have no expectations for this movie. But the reality is, even if it's like not his masterpiece and he seems to be really happy with the movie, but we'll see, um, is that 
even if it's just a six or a seven, it's going to be dope because it's Sean Baker. You know, even yeah. if it's not a 10 out of 10, like, and so, like, it's just dope to have gotten to work with them. And, like, the dude's just a, a genius. And it was like the dream job. Like, even if nothing yeah. happens, I'm like, the experience was so dope just to get to, like, play in his world that he created. Uh, it was dope. Yeah. But I think, like, just going back to it's like the, when you start working again, like these tours and these promo, you know, sort of, uh, press junkets and all this shit it's like your life's gonna be <laughs> a movie again bro like, yeah it's almost it's like i better up. enjoy this downtime because i think because yeah. he told me he's like if you want if this movie gets in all of the festivals around the world you could be touring this movie for a year and going to india and the philippines and maybe covid might fuck that up but we'll see by the time this this might not come out for six months who knows um but I yeah, think it's like you're just one call away from the next ad. You know what I mean? It's you like always it's, are. It's especially because like I, I'm behind the scenes. I'm behind the camera guy. You are like in front of it, and it's like you've just said it perfectly. Like the peaks and valleys to me is like is what you signed up. I guess you didn't really sign up for. You got shooed into it, right? But it's literally just one call away from something again. That's like either really sick or a new adventure. But it seems like you've just like kind of done a good job like holding it. Um, you know, life by the nuts a little bit, and just like seeing where it takes you. Yeah, I guess if anything, uh, I, I, you always are one phone call away from something that could, you know. But I just got so disenchanted with everything, and that's why I moved to the desert. I was like, "Fuck showbiz, fuck fame, fuck it all." Like, I let me try something different. So I moved to the desert, and it's so funny. Like the power of surrender. Like I moved to the desert, and genuinely, I'm like, "Fuck it." Like. If I can't get the second fucking three loco, which is me, Riff Raff, and Andy Melanakis' super group, which is a whole super group sounds pretentious, which is a whole nother conversation, uh, can't get picked up. I'm like, maybe this is over. I'm like, I'm just fuck everything. So I moved to the desert, and a month later, I get a phone call that Sean Baker wants me for the lead in his movie. I'm like, there Completely you go. Insane. As soon as I just, I'm like, just fuck you, you I'm out. I am pulls you back in. <laughs> you know? And I genuinely, I wasn't faking it. Like, I'm really like, fuck it. Maybe it's over. Well, Simon, dude, thank you for coming on so much. I wish I had you for another. Honestly, I hope we have you on again. Let's do part two. We could talk three oh, loco. Please. We could talk, uh, you know, maybe uh, if and when this movie comes out, because I'm not going to get ahead of myself. But if the if the movie comes out and there's still a press, we could promote the movie. Who knows? Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming yeah, on. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, sorry I talked so fast. Your Bro. coffee's crack. I'm serving coffee to everybody if, that's, if you're going to blame it on the coffee. God, I exhaust myself. All right. And thank you for listening to Yeah, But Still.